You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmasano here. I am your host. I'm glad to be back. Uh, my apologies for not being able to put something out last week. Uh, like I had stated in, uh, on, Twitter, on the Twitter feed, on the podcast Twitter, that um, I had some personal matters to attend to. So, unfortunately, uh, I had to take care of them my only night that I could record. So thank you all so much for understanding. And what a good couple of weeks it's been. Good, bad. I mean, we'll talk about the good and the bad. But uh, this is a big episode. I'm going to try and get through as much as I can. I'm going to talk about AEW from last night, a little bit of NXT from last night. We have Hell in a Cell this Sunday. And we have Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory this Saturday. I can already tell you which show is going to be better. I can already tell you which show is going to be better. It's definitely going to be Bound for Glory. But we'll get to everything we need to talk about, everything we need to discuss to get into. So let's kick things off with some big news. WWE is being investigated by the Orange County Department of Public Health for some of their buildings being potential COVID-19 hotspots. The article I read is comes from Ringside News, and the company left a quote here saying, WWE is not open to the public, but rather operating on a close set with only essential personnel in audience. As a part of ongoing weekly testing protocols, Adventist Labs have administrated more than 10,000 PCR tests to WWE performers, employees, production staff, and crew, resulting on only 1.5% positive cases are compared to the current national average of more than 5%. Additionally, extensive contact uh, contact tracing pl- takes place and impacted individuals are placed in 14-day quarantine and the only cleared only cleared after they have tested negative. The article continue reads says this is an ongoing situation and there could be more of this story on a later date. The investigation is underway but WWE seems very confident if that they have done everything possible guarding themselves from COVID-19. So this was the really big news that came out this week. More of the mainstream news. WWE's uh, buildings that they're running their shows in. uh, They currently are hotspots for Um, COVID-19. At least that's what's being reported. So I don't think that's necessarily a surprise. The WWE operates in Orlando, Florida. And, and uh, Florida is a bit of a hot spot for COVID-19. Um, however, does this impact WWE in them potentially running shows? It could. I mean, if gu- proper guidelines aren't taking place. But from what I understand, WWE are taking the proper guidelines. They weren't always taking the proper guidelines. I mean, for the longest time, no one was wearing a mask backstage or anything. And people weren't getting tested because they had an outbreak earlier this year. So it's not entirely surprising. But this is the big news coming out of there. The Amway, uh, the Amway Center, known as the Thunderdome, the Performance Center, uh, now known as the CWC. The uh, can't even remember what the fuck it's called. Uh, and the and the um, uh, Full Sail University. Those uh, buildings are being uh, investigated at the moment. I'm sure more will come out in the couple of days to come. This news was broken earlier this week. So, moving on to some of the other things that happened this week in wrestling. Just had to briefly touch upon the COVID-19 investigations going on in WWE. But we're really going to start things off with AEW. Man, what a time to be a pro wrestling fan. What a time, well, I mean, not really what a time because of 2020, but as far as the stuff that's going on in the storylines of AEW, it's been teased for months. This guy has been teasing this on all social media, being the elite, Dynamite Television itself. It was made abundantly clear that this week, 
the cleaner has returned. Kenny Omega has turned heel. Kenny Omega is once again the cleaner. This is the character that brought him to his fame from New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's what brought him over, what got him in the Bullet Club. It's what made him eventually the leader of the Bullet Club and him going on to win the G1 and have those amazing matches with Kazuchika Okada. So now the cleaner is back. They had this really elaborate entrance. You know, Justin Roberts was saying all the accomplishments that that Kenny Omega has had. You know, he's, you know, the championships that he, he's uh, the current AAA champion, what, the, the belt he holds right now, you know, the, the best tag being labeled the best feud in Japan, the best overall wrestler in 2018, the uh, being claimed to be the best tag team match of all time. It's it's cr- it's crazy all the accomplishments they're they're listing there, and it's very not very babyface esque. Then these two girls in one piece, piece bikini uh, bikinis were sweeping one side of the entranceway, and then he comes over the other side of the entranceway with like a the paper thing in front of it. It drops. Kenny comes down and and. He's full-on cleaner. The cleaner is back. Originally, Kenny Omega was supposed to face Joey Janela in this uh, tournament to determine the number one contender for the AEW World Championship. However, earlier that day, Joey Janela was replaced by his tag team partner, Sonny Kiss. And this brought up a lot of controversy on Twitter, from what I could see. Apparently, a lot of people were... One, pissed off that the fact that they're like, okay, that's right, that Joey's taking the right precautions, but please don't put Sonny Kiss in there. He's he's not championship material. Don't put him in. And a lot of people got pissed off at that. And a lot of people also got pissed off how Kenny won the match. The match happens. Kenny gets in the ring. The, 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 uh, the bell rings. He goes in, he grabs Sonny Kiss's hands, and he shakes them, getting ready for, you know, I guess, you know, for a pretty sportsman-like uh, like match. And then Kenny Omega makes quick waste of Sonny Kiss, hits him with a V-trigger, then hits the one-winged angel, and as he's pinning Sonny Kiss, he's just, you know, very, it's like nonchalant. He's like, you know, one, two, three, he's got his arm in the air, leg, like, he's relaxing, and then he throws Sonny Kiss's leg, and he gives a face of like, of course I won. Of course I beat Sonny Kiss. I'm Kenny Omega. I'm the best wrestler in the world. And then after the match, you know, he helps Sonny up, and he's raising his hand. He's like, no, 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 give it up for Sonny. Give it up. Like, he's like, you know, put a great, put on a great show. And then Sonny Kiss is just like, I don't, I don't believe you're by your bullshit right now. So he's being very condescending. Let's talk about first um, what this does for Omega's character. Let's talk about first where this goes. I've been saying for several months that Kenny Omega needs to be the one to defeat John Moxley for the AEW Championship. And we'll talk about AEW champ- the AEW Champion in a few minutes. I've said that he needs to be the one to beat him, and he needs to be a heel. And the cleaner needs to return. We've already had John Moxley and Chris Jericho as our first two AEW Champions. It's smart on AEW's part to make a guy like Chris Jericho the first champion. And then make a, make a guy like John Moxley the next champion. Yes, they're two former WWE guys, but John Moxley's not the same person that he was in WWE. Chris Jericho's not the same person he was in WWE. WWE. But it helped establish the championship. Because if you put it on someone like Hangman Page or Kenny Omega, they're not really going mainstream fans are not gonna know who they are. Now he will know who Kenny Omega Omega is. So he needs to be the one to win this tournament. And it most likely will come down to him and Hangman Page at full gear. The other thing that comes from this match. Like I said, a lot of people were pissed off at the fact that. One, Sonny Kiss was put in this match instead of Joey Janela. And two, that Sonny Kiss lost so quickly. Now, I don't know if a lot of people were pissed off about both. But I did see a lot of people who were pissed off about one or the other. I'll say this about replacing Sonny Kiss. Would I have personally put Sonny Kiss in this match? No. I probably would have put somebody else. Maybe I would have put um, Kip Sabian. Maybe. Uh, Brody Lee. Get a more competitive match. 
or you know, just 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 somebody other than Son- Sonny Kiss. I mean, I understand because he's Joey Janela's tag team partner. I understand that, and and that's not what really pissed me off. I mean, I, I really wasn't mad about that at all. I'm like, all right, whatever, Sonny Kiss. I mean, it's not like, it's not like if they put anybody else in that position, Omega was still gonna beat them. Kenny Omega was still going to win the match regardless of whoever his opponent was. It does not matter. So the right result happened. It doesn't matter who his opponent is. The next thing is, people were livid at the fact that Omega made quick waste of Sunny Kiss. From a kayfabe purpose, kayfabe stance, of course he should make make, uh, make way, quick way of Sunny Kiss. When you're comparing, from a, again, kayfabe standpoint, Omega's the top. Sunny Kiss is a mid-carder. He's below mid-card. And that's nothing against him personally. I think he's an interesting character, and I think he's an interesting wrestler. I like the match he had with Cody a few months back. But that doesn't have anything to do with... You know, because a lot of people are saying, oh, Kenny Omega's homophobic. Kenny Omega's homophobic because he's, he, squashed, uh, he, he squashed Sonny Kiss. That doesn't mean anything. What this was, was it was a character-building moment. It was Omega turning heel... It's something people have been wanting for so long. It's what people have been wanting since Omega joined AEW. I mean, why are you complaining? Why are you complaining? We're gonna we're more than likely gonna get Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega at full gear. We're gonna get that blow off match. And now Omega is the cleaner. I mean, I think it just goes to show that people really don't know what the fuck they want. I mean, and a lot of people are really sensitive about shit. I think we can all be a little sensitive about things, but it depends on what those things are. I mean, really, don't go and call Kenny Omega homophobic when, you know, there's a gif out there, apparently. I saw him uh, kissing Kota Ibushi. And there are people saying that Kenny Omega is bi. Look, I have no idea what Kenny Omega's personal life is like, but the fact remains that just because Kenny Omega squashed Sonny Kiss in this match, it does not mean that he is homophobic. It does not mean Sonny Kiss was buried. What this was was a character-building moment, a stepping stone for Kenny Omega to get to the finals of this tournament and to eventually win the AEW World Championship. Because that's what the end result is going to be. At least that's what I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be Omega winning this, this tournament and Omega going on to become the AEW World Champion. And who's to say this wasn't going to happen with, with Joey Janela? I remember they had a great match last year on AEW Dark. But who's to say this was going to happen with Joey Janela? What if this was the exact same plan and then Joey Janela is the one who got squashed? What do you say then? Kenny Omega hates people from New Jersey? I mean, I'm from New Jersey, so I wouldn't like that. But come on! People, you're reading too much into this shit. You're reading too much into it. Whatever happened to just sitting down, watching wrestling, and just enjoying it. For what it is. When it comes to this specifically. And I'm not saying, you know, you're watching a shitty episode of Monday Night Raw, which we'll get to that later on. But you're watching character building. You are watching something bigger on you're watching a small piece of the puzzle to so you can get the big picture stop reading into shit that's not there plain and simple all right can you make us a heel can you make us the heel, the cleaner again so just enjoy that just a thought next we're going to move on to jericho and mjf i'm kind of going to be jumping all around here but this the this Oh my God! This segment, I loved it. I I I absolutely loved it. I I I feel like I'm beating a dead horse when it comes to talking about Jericho and MJF on this podcast every week. But Jesus, that was so funny. How it started, you know, they're they're trying to compete with each other. Who can have the rarest steak? The girls, uh, the the waitress's name was was Velma, I believe, and MJF was calling her Thelma. They kept saying Thelma, Velma, Thelma, Velma, and <laughs> they kept arguing with each other, you know, and MJF's like, what are we doing here? 
Chris. Come on. You know we're great together. You know, the demo god, the ratings ruler, and Jericho's like, oh, the ratings ruler. It's, it, it's, it sucks, Max. It sucks. I mean, that, that, that can't even get over. It, it won't even get over. It won't even get over. Like, it's, uh, he's, how, he, how he said, I'm fucking up on this delivery here. Like, it's just as bad as, and then they go, Orange Cassidy, they say at the same time, Orange Cassidy. And they start laughing. Max, MJF's like, see, Chris, we're great here. And then it just jumps into this musical number of an their own version of a Rack Pack song. And again, I really didn't know what it was until until I saw saw it because <laughs> I had to watch. I was watching a Wrestle Talk video. It's a, it's a cover of a Rack Pack song, and I'm like, wow. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I've never particularly seen this was Broadway esque, and my buddy Nate tagged me in this on on Twitter this morning. Friend of the podcast, what's up, Nate? Um, just saying, he's like, okay, I love this particularly. Did they make this segment particularly for me? Because uh, he is a he is an actor, and he he is, he loves doing musical. He loves acting, and he's like, but I, I don't know how a broader wrestling audience could enjoy this. Well, let me tell you something. I'm not going to say sit here and say that I'm a Broadway enthusiast. I don't know shit. I just know what I like. I've been to some Broadway shows and they put on a great they do a great job. I don't know the ins and outs of all that shit. That's why I'm a wrestling fan. But I have to say this was excellent. This was really well done, you know. This they were they're running down different a, uh, members of the AEW roster that they hate: John Moxley, Cody, Orange Cassidy, the Young Bucks. It was hilarious, absolutely hilarious. And at the end, when you think it's over, it's like, "Hey, Chris, what is it, Maxwell? Can we take? Can we do that again?" It's like, "Hey, Chris, what do you want, Maxwell? <laughs> take him on the top? Are you kidding me? No, from the end. Oh, sure." And then they do the they say the last part of the end again. And then they uh, they get their steaks, and it's literally just rare steak. And they both look at it disgust, like, "Oh God, Chris, we 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 can't eat this." He's like, "I think you're right, Max. Like, they're just just completely rare, yeah." And they both go, "Thelma, Velma." They Max Maxwell Jacob Friedman says, "Velma, Thelma." Jericho says, "Velma." It was it was really well done. Props to AEW, not only for trying something different, but knocking it out of the park. Again, I cannot wait to see where this story goes. I don't know if this is going to lead to a match at full gear because, again, full gear is soon. It's in like two weeks. So maybe we are going to get this this union of, of MJF joining the inner circle and we build to that match eventually between Jericho and MJF at a later date. Because, honestly, the more you drag this out, the better. This is very reminiscent, again, of the Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho stuff. And it was, again, so well done. So well done. Be on the lookout, because at the time of this recording, the previous night, I had recorded an episode with my good buddy Fozzie, former guest of this podcast from a couple years ago, and we did an entire episode on Le Champion himself, Chris Jericho, celebrating his 30 years in pro wrestling. It is an amazing accomplishment. We found out last night that sometime next week, Jericho is going to be 50. He's 49. It's amazing that he thinks he's accomplished. So be on the lookout for that. We go into the in-depth with Chris Jericho's career, our favorite moments, our favorite matches, and we talk about just some of the best highlights of his career. It's a good time if you love Chris Jericho, which who doesn't? Moving on, what happened in Dynamite. So we're going to talk about the setup for John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston for the AEW Championship at full gear. Man, Eddie Kingston is a guy who has taken the ball and just not like he's gone to the plate. Hit a home run. Run all the bases. Catch the home run himself. Throw it to the catcher in center field. Eddie Kingston has made himself a top guy in a matter of a few months. He's one of the best promo guys in wrestling right now. 
And he's one of the best promo guys in a company full of great promo guys. Eddie Kingston cut a great promo the previous week after Dynamite went off the air. He said to Moxley that you said you went off to be a sports entertainer, made these millions of dollars when, when all I had was pro wrestling and all it did was chew me up and spit me out and gave me nothing. What happened, Mox? You said the inmates were going to run the asylum. Nothing happened. You went off and sold out. You, make, you got a wife. You sold out. You sold out when this is the only thing that I ever had. When I had to scratch and claw my way, you son of a bitch. This promo was, first of all, like I said, it's amazing. Eddie Kingston might be my favorite promo guy right now. He's just that good. John Moxley's response was saying that when it came to Eddie Kingston signing the WWE, there was nobody more happy or more proud than John Moxley because they've they've been together, they've been friends for years. And that Moxley does is not sure who Eddie Kingston has become because he said he's never Moxley's never changed. He's always been the same. And that he doesn't I, that that Eddie Kingston is just a shell of his former self, all this bitterness and and hatred, and he's not going to apologize for making his life better, getting married, buying his mother a house. He's not going to apologize for any of that. So the build for Moxley and Kingston has been really well done. I have to say, with John Moxley's title reign, this is probably John Moxley's best built feud as the AEW champion. I mean, he had good matches with Brian Cage. Uh, his match with Lance Archer was really well done on the anniversary episode. But I gotta say, th- this is definitely Moxley's best built feud as the champion. Because... At, at, at the time of this recording, I'm probably looking forward to that match the most. At least with the, with the uh, again, as far as the build has gone. The build, this is my favorite build of the card on the card right now for the pay-per-view. And the card is looking pretty stacked, as we can see so far. Who will win? I mean, Moxley will, again, I think Moxley will win. Moxley's going to win because, we I, again, I think Kenny Omega is going to win the whole damn tournament and beat Moxley with the title. We also had Pentagon Jr. versus Ray Phoenix in this title tournament. And, man, that was one hell of a match. That was nuts. If this is what they can do together with both guys kind of on the same page and they're not in a feud, imagine what they're going to do when when Penta, you know, properly turns heel. Or rather, Phoenix turns babyface. Because that's what I see happening. I see Phoenix turning babyface in all of this. And Eddie Kingston still kind of calls, you know, Penta his best friend. And he's calling Phoenix. Phoenix is a great high flyer. So, you know, who knows? Um, But, man, that match was insane. Corkscrew dives, Canadian destroyers, the chops to the chest. I mean... Ray Phoenix and and Pentagon Jr., I, I've said that a lot of people have kind of forgotten about how great they are as singles wrestlers just because they work so well as a tag team. But I think with the AEW tag team division, you know, I think when more tag teams are starting to step up now, you, let, you know, like uh, Dark Order with uh, Stu, uh, with Alex Reynolds and, um, and John Silver, they've been doing a, a hell of a job. Uh, this week, uh, in you know, past several weeks, Dark Order has been a really, really entertaining part of Dynamite. Speaking of Alex Reynolds, he was knocked out during the match in Dynamite, and apparently, no one really noticed. Um, that is something that's a little concerning. Refs really got to pay attention, and I don't know what's been going on with the refs and the doctors lately with AEW. I mean, remember we had the thing with with uh, Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara over at All Out. So apparently, like, you know, I think it was like a spinning DDT Alex Reynolds took, and he got knocked out. Um, uh, apparently, he's okay, and I hope he's okay. Uh, wish Alex Reynolds a speedy recovery. 
and hopefully he gets back to the ring and he's safe. And, you know, that was pretty scary. I remember seeing that spot. I'm like, ooh, hope he's all right. And then now I read that he was legitimately hurt. So, Alex Reynolds, I hope you're okay. hope you're safe and you get back in the ring safely. Um, so, this match was a lot of fun. I mean, these four teams, you kind of knew what you were getting into. Um, real quickly, I will say, though, I don't know when the Bunny just decided to rejoin Butcher and the Blade. Like, they they made an announcement on YouTube that, that the Bunny is back with the Butcher and the Blade. Now she's part of Eddie Kingston's faction that the Butcher and the Blade are a part of. But, whatever. Um, uh, the Young Bucks won this match, which I was half expecting them not to. I almost thought they could have put Dark Order in here and maybe hold off that Young Bucks FTR match, but no, we're getting it. We are getting FTR versus the Young Bucks at full gear. After the match, uh, FTR attacked the Young Bucks. They uh, This masked assailant, who was a timekeeper, he uh, attacked, helped attack the Young Bucks with the steel chair and uh, the title belts, and they put... Uh, FTR put the steel uh, steel chair wrapped around Matt Jackson's leg. Uh, Cash Wheeler jumped from the, from the top rope and stomped on Matt Jackson's leg, you know, selling that, I guess, for the eventual match. This has been building for a while. It's been building for years, for years and years. Ever since, you know, the Young Bucks were going, they were doing amazing stuff on the Indies in New Japan and FTR, then formerly known as The Revival, were putting on these amazing tag team matches with the likes of American Alpha, DIY, AOP. And they were both fans from all over the world were saying, the Young Bucks are the best tag team in the world. No, The Revival's the best tag team in the world. And still, it's kind of like, you know, Bucks, FTR. This is, as far as a match, this is the match in general I'm most looking forward to. I said Kingston and Moxley probably may have the best build, but this this match is for sure my favorite that's going to be on the card. I can't wait for it. I honestly cannot wait for full gear. This The, the one thing that really sucks about this whole thing is that, again, we're not going to be able to... This isn't like a, a jam-packed arena. This isn't, you know, a jam-packed dailies place or, or you know, over in Chicago or... Or in uh in in the garden, you know, or you know somewhere in Dallas, Texas, or Los Angeles, you know, we're not getting that full arena type show due to the pandemic. Obviously, that's the one downer to this match. But I think we should be happy that we're getting it, and that these guys are going to put on a match of the year potential, uh, potentially a match of the year candidate. I cannot wait. I have said consistently, AEW is the best week-to-week television wrestling show. And this goes to show, again, this episode... I mean, what more could you want from this? This had an amazing Pentagon versus Ray Phoenix match. Kenny Omega is, is a heel. He's the cleaner again. Jericho and MJF may have had segment of the year. I may be stretching it. But the segment was that damn good. The build between Jon Moxley and Eddie Kingston... This episode of Dynamite was amazing. I loved it. And definitely one of the best episodes of the year. Again, they consistently put out a great product every single week. And let's move on from AEW to a lot of the former members of New Japan on the AEW roster. That was a shitty segue. But anyway... (laughs) Uh, Kota Ibushi, for the second year in a row, has won the G1 tournament, and he will be challenging the IWGP Heavyweight Champion at Wrestle Kingdom. It appears the belts are still unified, and that champion is still currently Naito. Um, I will fully admit that I have not been able to see too much from the G1. I have not been able to watch too many matches. I've been I've mostly caught highlights and it pains me to say that but with you know working and trying to watch all a bunch of other wrestling it's hard man it's really hard 
Uh, I've seen how Will Ospreay has turned heel. Now he has his own little faction. Bree Priestley has joined New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, I guess we're probably going to get Okada and Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Jay White appears to be turning babyface. He may, I mean, I think he might split from Bullet Club pretty soon. Uh, I love that Sonata was in the 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 finals with Kota Ibushi. I mean, it's been rumored that Sonata has been meant for a big babyface push at some point because they definitely want him to be a top star. I mean, look what they've done with Evil and you, you know putting the rocket strap on Evil and sh- and shipping him and bring him to the moon. Um. I think that, I mean, as of right now, it's it probably be Ibushi and Naito. I mean, it would, at least from what I see, this would probably be, it's strange to see potentially a Wrestle Kingdom without Okada in the main event. I know it happened in 2018, uh, 2019 rather. I know it happened in the last Wrestle Kingdom prior to this one. But Okada just always seems to be in the main event. It's nice to see that they're you know they're they're let, allowing Naito to to be in the spotlight here. But that is a big money match: Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito. Take my fucking money now because I saw those guys work an amazing match in Madison Square Garden for the Intercontinental Championship, and it was amazing, absolutely amazing. They're two of my favorite guys in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, maybe. I, I since we could get a you know Kota and Jay White at some point, you know they congr- uh, Jay congratulated Kota Ibushi. Who knows what we're gonna see? I just want to get that little bit in there because as you guys know who have listened, I'm a big fan of Kota Ibushi. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about NXT. Won't get too uh, in depth with it, but I will talk about the, the few highlights that went on here. The big story of this episode was is that the Undisputed Era was supposed to be getting a tag team title match against. Breezango, and it was going to be Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong in the main event. Bobby Fish gets taken out. Uh, we don't know by who, but Kyle O'Reilly says, you're too hurt. I'll take your place in the in the, in the the match tonight. So it'll be now Roderick Strong versus uh, Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly versus uh, Breezango. But then, Roderick Strong gets taken out. And he... Is you know he's like gotta take him to the hospital or whatever the hell they said, and Danny Burch and Nori Lorca are just like you know, uh, Kyle's like well you know what, if I if I can't do it then give it to the number two contenders give it to Burch and Lorcan. and they were saying like you know why don't you you know team with one of us you know and and then you know because you guys still should be in the shot he's like no nah, man, you guys do it I gotta go help Roddy I gotta be with my friend, so then you see Burch uh, and Lorcan shaking hands with uh, Brizongo. Um, they have the tag team title match, and somebody in a in a mass shows up to help them win, and it's Pat McAfee. So this is leading to a bigger feud between the UE and Pat McAfee. How do I feel about this? I mean, look, Pat McAfee definitely gets being a heel. He definitely gets it, and he's doing a damn good job of it. It sucks to see that Ridge Holland was supposed to be getting this big push, but I'm happy to see that uh, McAfee has aligned himself with Birch and Lorcan. And Birch and Lorcan win the tag titles. Good for them, man. They they have been they've been killing it as a team for years, and they finally, finally their work pay, their hard work pays off. They're now being aligned in a top storyline. McAfee versus McAfee, Birch and Lorcan versus the UE. So Adam Cole saw this and goes on Twitter and McAfee makes fun of Adam Cole for the undisputed era hand sign. And he goes on Twitter, goes, Okay, shit just got real. Kyle O'Reilly responds and says, Yeah, I can't wait to beat the shit out of those three. So O'Reilly and Fish, I'm sorry, O'Reilly and, and Cole are seem to be babyfaces now. Are, are Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish turning babyfaces as well? Who knows? Maybe they'll still turn on them. Um, but I like where this is going. This episode of NXT was mainly to build around the story of the UE versus McAfee and this new faction that they've that they've now formed. 
I say what a great way to make the best of a bad situation. Maybe Ridge Holland would have been involved as well in this faction. Or maybe they're just kind of like, you know, Ridge Holland was hired by Pat McAfee and, you know, these uh, Birch and Lorgan took him out. So McAfee's probably like, all right, well, I'm going to side with these guys then. I think it's really well done what they're doing. Um, it was also seen that apparently Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes are going to have a Haunted House of Horrors match or something like that. It's going to be probably going to be cinematic, which should be fun. Dexter Loomis definitely could probably pull off cinematic matches. Uh, Kushida had beaten Tommaso Ciampa and Velveteen Dream. And Johnny Gargano hates the, the wheel because it gave him a buried alive match and a casket match. Whereas Candice LeRae got a street fight and that's suited to her style. Uh, I, I just love the Garganos and what they're doing. Hopefully all of you got were able to get a uh, Candice LeRae or a Johnny Gargano Johnny Gargano uh, t-shirt before I got taken on Pro Wrestling Tees. Because I know I did. Moving right along though. We're now going to go over to some Impact Wrestling news. The Knockouts champion, the virtuosa Diana Perrazzo, has officially signed a long-term contract with the company. It's amazing to see, first of all, the amount of trust that Impact gave Diana Perrazzo after all this time being the champion and not being down to a contract. But also the fact that she is, like I've said with Kingston, earlier in this episode, that she's taken the ball and hit a home run. An absolute home run. I've been a fan of Deanna Perrazzo for a while now, and I'm glad to see her get her... Just, you know, I don't want to say get what she deserves, but, you know, her like I said with Birch and Lorcan, her hard work paying off, you know? Saw her at a Ring of Honor show. I thought she was really impressive. You know, saw her time in NXT was, I mean, let's just face it, it was it was a waste. It, it was a real waste because I, I think WWE really dropped the ball with her. And now she's going to be able to, she's been able to have this character that, she, uh, that she's been trying to portray, that she was trying to portray in NXT. Now she can do it and she's been doing it in Impact Wrestling. So congratulations to her. Uh, good to see her officially signed to Impact Wrestling because we're also going to be doing Bound for Glory predictions. I know I don't get to talk about Impact that often on this channel, but this pay-per-view looks really, really good. It looks like a lot of fun, so I figured we could do some predictions. Now, I will say, I don't get to watch Impact a whole lot, so I'm not really too sure about what's going on with the storylines. Uh, I've seen some things here and there, but I'm not. I, I'm not keen to what's happening. I am kind of aware of who some of the people are on the roster and the champions, obviously. But as far as the storylines and how things have been built, I'm not really sure. But let's just get right into it. So first, we're gonna kick things off with EC3 versus Moose in a singles match. Um, I'm gonna go with EC3. He's been feuding with Moose for a while now, and Moose has been claiming that he is the true TNA World Heavyweight Champion. And um, EC3 is just coming back off of a shitty WWE run, and he's been trying to, you know, get back out there and just be EC3 again. He recently showed up at Ring of Honor, which is good for him. He's working Ring of Honor and Impact. And I think those are two companies who should definitely work together, by the way, Ring of Honor and Impact Wrestling. Anyway, moving on. So... Next, we have Eddie Edwards versus Ken Shamrock with Sammy Callahan in Ken Shamrock's corner. Um, Eddie Edwards being the former Impact champion, losing the title to Eric, the current champion, Eric Young. Um, I believe Shamrock's getting inducted into the, into the Impact Hall of Fame. So I guess I'll go Ken Shamrock. I guess. Again, I'm not too crazy about what's going on. Not crazy, but not known too much about what's happening here. Uh, next, it is a six-way intergender scramble match for the Impact X Division Championship. The champion, uh, Rowit Raju, Chris versus Chris Bay, versus Jordan Grace, versus TJP, versus Trey Miguel, versus Willie Mack. Um... It's interesting to see that Jordan Grace is in this. I guess they're taking their their try with intergender wrestling, but um, 
again, this could go anywhere, but uh, I'm going to make in a really... Uh, you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, TJP. Again, not sure what he's really doing, but I'm gonna go with TJP. So, moving on, we're going to go to the knockouts championship match: Deanna Peraza, the champion, versus Smiley Kylie Ray. Deanna has signed a contract with Impact Wrestling, so beforehand. I was thinking to myself, if she wasn't signing to Impact, then it was probably pretty sh- pretty certain that Kylie Ray was going to win. But now I'm not entirely sure. I'm trying to see who I've also predicted. I've predicted a couple heels, baby faces. I don't know. Um, but for this, I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to say... Now, you know what? Much as I love Deanna Perrazzo, I'm going to go with Kylie Ray here. I'm going to go with Kylie Ray. I think these two could have a really great long feud together. Bound for Glory is typically TNA's WrestleMania, I believe. So I think Kylie Ray will win. She'll become the new Knockouts champion. And her and Deanna will feud for the next several months to come. Okay, these are some pretty... Uh, big multi-man matches coming up. Okay, so this is the Call Your Shot Gauntlet match where the winner chooses any championship of their choice. If Heath or Rhino wins, then Heath also wins a full-time contract with Impact Wrestling. If neither win, then Rhino is fired and Hernandez will enter the last while Rhino will enter first. So surely it's got to be uh, Heath or uh, Rhino. But I'm going to go with Heath, the former Heath Slater, to win this one. Um, you know, it's similar to when he wasn't drafted and he was going to get a SmackDown contract where him and Rhino, they had to win to get... Heath Slater was fighting for a contract and, you know, they won the SmackDown tag team titles. I think this will probably be a similar thing and they will probably go after the tag team championships. Which next is a four-way tag team match where the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabian will defend the titles against the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, the North of Ethan Page and Josh Alexander versus Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. I'm gonna go with the boys, the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. I've been a big fan of these guys for, for a long time. I was glad to see that they went to Impact Wrestling and First of all, just outside of wrestling, they're the two funniest motherfuckers you could ever listen to on a podcast, have a conversation with. At least that I, that's why that's what I understand. That's what I hear from listening to them on podcasts. They're hilarious. They're absolutely hilarious. So I'm going to go with the Good Brothers to take the win here and become the new Impact Tag Team Champions. And finally, the main event, Eric Young versus Rich Swan for the Impact Championship. And um, I'm just going to go with Rich Swan. I think it's going to be a nice big babyface victory. And as I've done these, I realized I have gone for a title change in every single match. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, definitely, I'm going to definitely try and catch Bound for Glory this Saturday. Uh, I, I just love that Impact Wrestling is on a bit of a resurgence and that they are they they have a good, solid roster with great talent, and that's what they appear to be focusing on. Yes, they were really heavily teasing about former WWE wrestlers coming to the company, but now they are focused on the wrestlers and the the roster that they have rather than trying to bring other people in to build on that roster. They're trying to build the roster they have. So much respect to Impact Wrestling, and this Saturday should be a really great show. And to finish things off with the podcast, we're going to go with Hell in a Cell predictions. Now... There's only four matches on this card. I figured we would have gotten a, uh, you know, like some network special, uh, you know, like Twitter announcements on this card as to who was going to uh, be in it. Uh, I'm sure we'll probably get more answers uh, on this episode of SmackDown coming up this week. Um, But first I have to say that... uh, 
First of all, Retribution has been officially buried. Um, you know, The Fiend and Alexa Bliss came out, and Retribution picked a fight with The Fiend. They had a throwaway backstage segment with Mustafa Ali saying, oh, yeah, I was the hacker on SmackDown. Okay. They, they really didn't sell it at all. Um, T-Bar was the one who got who tapped out in that uh, that tag match, I believe, with, with uh, Hurt Business. They're nothing more than a mid-card act, and they just tried to put a de- faction together to boost ratings and... Yeah, because it makes sense that you're a faction that wants to destroy WWE. So what does WWE do? They sign them to WWE contracts. Oh, we can do whatever we want. No, WWE will bury you. Oh, man. It was... This is just so bad. I'm really enjoying the stuff with The Fiend and Alexa Bliss. Um, I think this is a huge step down for The Fiend, though. You know, this happening with Retribution, I mean... Maybe they'll build The Fiend to be a credible opponent for Drew McIntyre. Who knows? But I'm enjoying The Fiend and Alexa Bliss being paired together. Um, I'm going to be jumping all over the place a little bit here. Uh, the end of the show saw Randy Orton cutting a, se- a, a promo saying that Drew McIntyre couldn't get get him in the cell, that he'll win the title, and Drew got in with using bolt cutters, and then they brawled, and then the you know kind of just stopped after that. And that uh, Elias is uh, blaming Jeff Hardy for running him over a few months back, even though it was proved that it wasn't Jeff Hardy. So Elias is stupid. They're having a match. Uh, I, I mean, th- th- this whole thing, the SmackDown stuff has been built pretty well. The Raw side of things have been, you know, they've been abysmal. They've been horrible. But why don't we just get into these predictions, shall we? Um Let's start with the most ridiculous match on the show. Jeff Hardy versus Elias. Uh, I'm going to go with Elias here, and I just think that... Yeah, I just think that it really doesn't make any sense. Uh, You know, there were reports saying that WWE are high on Elias, that he could really map out some time, but we've all heard this before. We've all seen this before. Look at Keith Lee. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jeff Hardy for the safe pick. Um, next, Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso for the Universal Championship in an I Quit Hell in a Cell match. Uh, Roman Reigns uh, says there will be repercussions if Jey Uso loses, and those repercussions will be announced tomorrow night on SmackDown at the time of this recording. Um, this stuff has been great, the, the, the Jey Uso-Roman Reigns stuff. It should not be as good as it's been. I mean, the one match with Jey Uso should have been... Like, that should have been it. But they've decided to do more, and it's been really well done. Uh, Roman Reigns will get the win here. He will retain. He is a tribal chief, and I don't see him dropping that title for a long time. Uh, Next, we're going to have Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton inside Hell in a Cell for the WWE Championship. And I just want this feud to end. I just want this feud to end. As excited as I was when SummerSlam was coming around, the build was going really, really well. This has just been going on too much. Drew beat Randy twice. They've dropped the story of, oh, what's the more devastating finisher? The Claymore kick or the RKO? They've completely forgotten about that. So I'm going to go with Drew. I want Drew to win. So I I just... I think Drew's going to win, and again, I've said it before. If they wanted with the title on Randy, they would have done it already. You know, um, I think that, um, you know, I think AJ will probably be Drew's next opponent. That's why I think AJ got drafted to Raw, so Drew McIntyre to retain. And finally, what I think will be the main event, Sasha Banks challenging her former best friend Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship inside Hell in a Cell. Sasha Banks, first of all, has made history here. She has been in more Hell in a Cell... She's the only woman to have been in more Hell in a Cell matches than any other female wrestler ever. She's been in with all three... Uh, going to be with Sasha Banks, but with Bailey this Sunday, rather. Becky Lynch and Charlotte. Becky and Sasha put on a banger of a match last year. And I think this is going to be an incredible match. I think this could potentially be match of the night. However, I don't see 
Sasha taking the title. I think Bailey's going to retain. And I think this is going to be dragged out. I think they can drag this out all the way to Mania. I think when the match is over, you just have Bailey destroy and dominate Sasha. You send Sasha away for a little while. She comes back at the Royal Rumble and she challenges Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship at WrestleMania. This is where the feud needs to end. It needs to end at WrestleMania. Things started to unfold at this year's WrestleMania. They started to go bad at this year's WrestleMania. It would be a year-long story told where Sasha Banks finally wins the championship. She finally beats her former best friend. And hopefully afterwards, she has a successful title defense. But anyway, I think that's what it's going to be. I think all the champions will retain their titles. I think Jeff Hardy will win. And I'm not, I don't have high expectations for this show, which could be a good thing. Because if I have low expectations and if it sucks, well, it's what I expected. If I have low expectations and it was great, then it was great. Cool. Anyway, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Please be sure to be look on the lookout for that episode I did with Fozzie once again on the 30-year anniversary of Chris Jericho's career. Uh, please be sure to be following us on Twitter at TNAWP. Like us on Facebook at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, the Not Another, Not Another Wrestling Podcast. I'm sure you'll be listening to us on Pod, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Podbean, Anchor.fm. If you go to the Anchor.fm website, you will find the entire list of all of our podcast formats. Uh, will you be watching Bound for Glory this Saturday? Will you be watching Hell in a Cell this Sunday? I know I'll definitely try and watch both, but more, more than likely I'll probably be watching one or the other. But anyway, thank you all so much for listening. Hope you're all staying safe. I've been CJ Palmasano, and I will see you all next time.